Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in beautiful, elegant New York City, and I want to start off this week by just apologizing for not bringing you guys an episode last week. Things have been very, very hectic, but I'm going to make it up to you guys this week. I actually have a special guest that is one of my favorite people. He's a very popular guest, and someone you guys are going to be really happy that he's finally back on the program. But before I bring him on, I want to tell you guys about SitesOptimized.com. This is interesting. I actually played with the owner of sitesoptimized.com over the summer in the uh, Lucky Sevens tournament and uh, he put a bad beat on me. Uh, he actually busted me out of the tournament. I had a big stack and he, he got it in really bad against me and, and sucked out and won. Uh, and as I was leaving, he introduced himself and told me about his website and, and uh, I think it's really interesting. You know what they do is website design and SEO. But here's the thing. Your website needs to bring in leads, right? And it needs to convert visitors to customers. Your website is your 24-7 salesperson. And if you have a website that's not converting, then it's time for you to check out sitesoptimize.com. Talk to my friend Danny and see what his team can do for you. Because you're a listener of this podcast, Danny has agreed to provide every listener with a free mock-up design of your new homepage for your brand new shiny website and you'll be able to see what it'll look like before you even pay a dime so visit sitesoptimized.com without further ado let's bring on our special guest he's one of my favorite guys uh he is the voice of the world series of poker he is going to be doing commentary for the WSOP online bracelet events. I guess they already started, but let's bring them on now. You guys know I'm talking about my buddy Tuck. David Tuckman, how you been, pal? I am good, Fletch. Hold on one second. I'm just going on the sitesoptimized.com. I'm going to talk to Danny. I feel okay. like um, I feel like my site needs a little bit of optimization. Yeah, it's got pictures of you back when you were on a soap opera in 1984. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how you been, brother? I have been I have been well, uh, doing a lot of commentary, you know, out here in LA, working Hustler Casino Live, doing a lot of cash games. Uh, you know, obviously the summer, the World Series ended, had a little bit of family vacation, which was nice. And as you alluded to, we just started the World Series of Poker Online British Series. Uh, the first two we uh, did on Saturday and Sunday with uh, Nathan Gamble. And then we'll be going every Sunday and Thursday throughout this series. So it should be a lot of fun. And uh, you are doing two of them with me. So I'm pretty excited. Tonight, I've actually got one tonight, by the way. I know this is probably not going to be dated for this podcast. But like I said, every every Sunday and Thursday, I got one with Jesse Sylvia. So I'm pretty excited. We love Jesse Sylvia. Yeah, as we record this on Thursday, the 15th of September, to be released tomorrow Friday the 16th, but are the old episodes going to be available for people to watch on Twitch? They're all available on Twitch. They've all been archived uh, on Twitch. Uh, they're quick, too. They're quick. They're, I mean, they're only, they're, they're online final tables, so you're talking, 
you know, an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and 45 tops. So it's a quick watch, and, uh, you know, you can kind of get some insight from Nathan Gamble, Jesse Sylvia, and, and you in a few in a few days. Yeah, I'll be on uh, the October 2nd, which is the 1K Turbo Deep Stack, and on the 9th, which is the uh, Big 500 online. I'm excited to do those with you. I always love doing commentary with you. We actually got to do some stuff over the summer that is currently airing on CBS Sports Network. I know because people I haven't talked to in many years keep hitting me up and being like, hey, I saw you on TV the other day <laughs> when I was watching poker. So that's always fun when that happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm listen, I'm really happy that people are watching it. I'm, I'm even more happy that people actually still have CBS Sports. I don't even know how to get it anymore. I've, I've been so uh, unplugged when it comes to TV. I, I, I get I get texts all the time like, Chuck, you're on TV again. I'm like, cool, where? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. It sounds like you haven't seen it either, but I haven't gotten to watch it yet because I don't have cable and I don't know how to get CBS Sports Network. Yeah, that's what I mean. Same thing. <laughs> so if anyone out there is listening to this and you can help two old guys who can't figure out technology uh, get ourselves onto CBS Sports Network so we can watch ourselves doing commentary, that would be awesome. We appreciate it. Now, you are on Twitter at Tuck on Sports. So before we get into poker, let's talk about sports. What do you think? Football starting up. Are you doing um, the uh, kind of work that you were doing before, like giving out picks? Are you still doing that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I still do a lot of sports betting content and stuff and create it. And, uh, you know, I was actually just on a show that was sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. That's done out of the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I'm a regular on that. And, uh, yeah, so I create content. I'm basically the baseball, uh, baseball and hockey guy. And then I do some NFL as well. But those are my three sports that I really kind of focus on. Yeah, so. well, long-time listeners to this podcast know that you are a baseball guy. And I was unable to sucker you into making an Orioles bet with me this year. And who knew that in September the Orioles would actually have a winning record. So I could have gotten back some of the money I've lost to you over the years betting on my hometown teams. They're finally pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was uh, – I, I thought the Orioles might be okay this year. So we uh, – uh, we, me and my, my partner, did not bet on the Orioles this year. We did pretty well, though. I think we made eight uh, Major League Baseball totals bets, and it looks like we are probably going to go six and two. We could actually shock the world and go seven and one. It all comes down to the Toronto Blue Jays. The only one we definitely lost. We definitely lost the Diamondbacks. We've definitely won five. Nice. So we were right on the Dodgers. We were right on the Mets. Uh, we were right on the Nationals, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Athletics. Uh, so we got we nailed those. The Toronto Blue Jays need to go 11 and eight over the last 19 for us to win that, and the Pittsburgh Pirates need to go seven and 12 over the last 19 for us to win that. So uh, it's going to be tight on both of them. Uh, one and one would be satisfactory. Two and zero, oh, I'd be dancing in the streets naked. Okay, well I'm I'm going to hope that it's one and one then. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tuck, where can people find your picks? Do you give them out on, on Twitter? Or, like, how do people find, like, who you're betting on and stuff before you do it? I usually put it on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, follow me on Twitter is usually the best way to do it. And then sometimes I'll have a website put a video out. and But I'll almost always retweet it. So if you follow me, it's probably the best way to do it. 
Yeah, so follow David. He's a great follow. Talk on sports. Sometimes it gets a little heavy with, like, the hockey stuff. If you're not into hockey, like, you might have to skip through some of the tweets. But I promise you it's worth it to get to the good stuff from Tuck as a man who's never watched. I do put hockey bets in there, by the way. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I am am, uh, a nauseatingly uh, huge New York Islanders fan. Uh, you're being in New York. You're probably a Rangers fan, scum. No, uh, but I, I don't care about hockey at all. <laughs> okay, there you go. So I do apologize in advance for all the New York Islander <laughs> tweets. Uh, there are going to be many of them, but they are, if you sift through them, there are some really good betting nuggets in there. Um, I, I tend to do pretty well in the NHL. I'm, uh, I've, I've won the last two years. Well, so there we'll you see go. if I continue that. It's just the cost of doing business. You have to listen to what Tuck thinks of the new forward on the Islanders or whatever. <laughs> it's just like when you watch when you when you're following uh, Daniel Negreanu. Like sometimes he's giving you the stuff you want, and every once in a while it's hockey. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I love the people, by the way. I don't want to go too far into this kind of uh, into no, the weeds, but I love the people that are like Dave. Stick. I don't follow you for this. I follow, be like, dude, it's my personal Twitter account. <laughs> You don't have to follow me at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm flattered that you do. Cool. My, my handle is literally Tuck on Sports. Yeah, so it's there's going gonna to be, be, it's gonna be some poker, but it's going to be a lot of sports. You should be happy that I don't, I don't, you know, put a bunch of, like, dog and kid pictures on there, too. <laughs> well, some people would be here for that, too. You know, that's the thing. It's your personal Twitter account. It's not the World Series of Poker. Twitter again. It would be weird, right, if at WSOP was like, can you believe what the Islanders did in the trade market? That would be silly, right? I, I think it would be an improvement over what I've seen <laughs> from their social media. Well, yeah, because you, you love the Islanders. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, before either of us gets into too much trouble, let's get into some poker. What was it like for you being back this summer? I really loved everything at the at, you know, at Bally's in Paris. You know, I, I thought everything went off pretty well. What did you think? It was great. I mean, obviously, I always want to work more. I always want to be in the mix more. And I only covered about 10 events this summer. But, I mean, as a team, we only streamed 18 of them outside the main event. I mean, we streamed 18. I think I got 10. I, I want to say, I think Lon did one. Ali Najad did four. And Jeff Platt did four. Something like that. Yeah. So I still get the majority of them. You just, you know, we all want more. I mean, I, 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 I long for the days when I used to work 36 days out of 39, and I was just stuck in that black booth in the Amazon room, um, you know. But obviously, it's a little more professional now. They got a great team there, uh, and you know, I got to work with some great commentators. So it's a lot of fun. It's amazing. It's definitely more of a produced TV show atmosphere, you know. And I've covered live sports before than it was in the past where it's like <laughs> just open the door up and be like hey you you want to come in for 20 minutes yeah that was me that's how we met it was like oh that guy does commentary huh? I was like hi <laughs> yeah it's definitely a lot more professional now and you know, tell us why that is is that because they're trying to create the package for the uh, to be aired later on CBS Sports Network along with I would imagine so yeah yeah, I would imagine so. They just need the predictability. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why Ali, myself, Jeff, it's one of the reasons why we get paid is because they know. It's listen. It's why you, when you go into a foreign country, people go to Starbucks. It's not because Starbucks coffee is really good. It's just because you know what you're going to get when you open the door and you walk into a Starbucks. You know, <laughs> um, 
you know, for those of you who like McDonald's, that poison, you know, you know when you go to McDonald's in any country, any city in the world, it's going to be the same Big Mac. They're going to taste the same. And that reliability, you know, people pay for it. People love it. And I think especially when you when you look at the World Series of Poker and you look at Poker Go, when they want to package that up and send the CBS Sports, CBS Sports needs to know that the commentators are going to be professional. It's going to look good. It's going to sound good. So, you know, they can't have some guy wandering in the booth at 1130 coming in for 25 minutes and ordering a beer. <laughs> yeah, and that definitely happened back in the day at the Rio, for sure. Over and over again. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just for professionalism. You know, when you're packaging it for TV, there's kind of the next, the next step up. Um, I mean, I will tell you that I, I love – I don't know if you watched the Monday Night Football, uh, like the Manning broadcasts. Yeah. Like, to me, I actually prefer that. Like, I love that. I think that's where TV and I think that's where content is going. And I still think that I think poker, for the most part, is still figuring that out. Um, you got the old guard that's like fighting for like, oh, let's package it and put it on CBS Sports. And then you've got the new guard, which is like, fuck it. We'll just, uh, you know, put it on here and have a beer and have a glass of wine. And wow, we're still going to get 400,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, things are, have gotten a lot less formalized. I think, especially with the advent of Twitch and other streaming platforms, uh, where the, the audience is not expecting like a billion-dollar production, they're used to just watching kids play Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I kind of, um, I almost compare it to, I don't know, when uh, when I was in my like 30s and 20s, my 20s even, I, I felt like there was the, um, hey. Uh, I'm going to actually focus. I want to put a little bit of effort into my hair, but I want to make it look like I put no effort in. Right, right. That, like, messy kind of organized look. And I feel like that's actually the way to go with content these days. Like, having, you know, three people on a couch watching a poker stream or watching a football game and commentating on it, I, I think would be really enjoyable. Um, yeah. You know, I watched Matt Berkey's podcast. I think that's kind of a good model. I like it, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I think I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I think the participants of the podcast are, are are not very good. But whatever, we'll talk about that another time. No, we've talked about that before. I was surprised. Shots it, fired. It Bam. sounded it sounded a second ago, Tug, like you almost said something nice about Matt Berkey. So I'm glad you took it back right away. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I like the format of that show. I think that's actually the future. Yeah. Um, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, those Manning broad broadcasts for NFL are definitely more compelling. Then, well, you know, Monday Night Football has been trying for years to come up with some kind of secret sauce. You remember when they had uh, Dennis Miller in the booth, and that was a kind of an experiment that didn't really work out. But yeah, they wanted to have somebody kind of represent like the average fan, so that it wouldn't feel so, uh, I don't know, like upscale or or just a little too produced. Which, yeah, by the way, you could do. You just get, but instead of putting the average fan in a booth where he doesn't go. Put the average fan in a bar or in a living room or, uh, you know, quote unquote man cave type area with a couple of guys who know football and then run it. You're just trying to hope that some, somebody will pay you to drink beer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's on to me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your World Series of Poker. You only had to do broadcasting for 10 events. So I guess you got to play a little bit, huh? A little bit. I didn't play a ton. Um, you know, I was planning on playing a lot. And then the huge COVID outbreak at the beginning of the 
of the of the series. Uh, I'm not like overly concerned about getting COVID. I've gotten it before, but I had a huge family trip right after the World Series, celebrating my mom's 80th birthday. Oh, happy birthday! So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was just very concerned about getting COVID and then not being able to go on this family trip. I hadn't seen my nephew in a long time, my niece, you know. So I was like, ah, I can't miss this trip. So I didn't play nearly as much as I thought I would early on, um, and that was the plan. Like the first week, I played a ton. I played some satellites. I played some cash games. Uh, I played the employees event, and I was going to play a handful of events here and there, and then I kind of pulled back a little bit, and I was like, you know what? I'll just commentate, and then it seemed like things died down a little bit uh, near the main event, and I was like – I was back and forth whether I was going to play it or not, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm playing. So I played. All right. So uh, how did that work out for you? Well, the, okay, so the employees event uh, did okay. You know, it, it's a bit of a turbo event. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we we did okay. We kind of like bubble-ish it, I guess it. Okay. It, was, it wasn't quite bubbled, but it wasn't like, you know, I, I want to say I was probably 60 away from the money. You know, somewhere in there. Like, uh, whatever. There were maybe like 800 people and... 112 cash that I got knocked out somewhere in like the 170th range, but who yeah. knows? Those those numbers are never there really. Um, and yeah, I mean that's just it was a situation where I took a spot that I thought was probably positive VV. I still think it probably was, and you know uh, they had it. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know just one of those. Is like okay, he doesn't need to have it here, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna three bet, and uh, unfortunately he did have it, and uh, that was pretty much that was pretty much it at that point in the tournament because we were all like you know 35 bigs deep, say 32 bigs deep. Right. So uh, that was a, a significant portion of my stack, and that was kind of all she wrote um, in that one. But I felt pretty good about it, and I felt good about my game, and then I jumped in the main event. Um, day one went uh, really, really well, and day two was probably one of the most difficult days of poker I've ever had in my life. Wow. So yeah. it sounds like you uh, you might have gotten your hopes up for another deep run because what was it, 2021, when you got pretty far in, in the November, main event? Yeah, just, I mean, just November, not even a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I felt confident. You know, we made a late day four run on, on uh, last November, and day four has kind of proved my, ne- my nemesis. Came in this year really confident, not overly. I mean, I, I try to respect my opponents. Of course. But, you know, felt good. Finished day one with about 140,000 chips. We start with 60. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because um, they only lose about, what, 30% of the field on oh, day yeah, one? I was, I was way, way, way above average uh, after day one. Sorry about the uh, this blowing. My gardener is outside my window. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, as soon as you start trying to record something, right? That's when they're like, now's the time. Now's definitely yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear it or is it okay? It's fine. I can hear it, but I'm sure that it's it's not. He's only going to be there for about four seconds. Yeah, um, don't worry. Don't worry. There aren't that many leaves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so I felt great. You know what I mean? Like like day one, uh, I, I was really in control of my table. I think I mean even at the end of the day the guys were like man you're making the final table you're good like like there was just like that healthy kind of like it was a healthy respect slash fear yeah Tuck's a beast yeah um, I know that feeling you know you know what I mean when you're just in the zone and it's like everybody at the table kind of knows okay I don't want to fuck with Fletch um, that's the guy I don't want to fuck with right and there's by the way when you sit down at the table one of the first things I try to do is I try to identify where the spots are where am I going to get my chips from and who do I want to avoid? Not necessarily avoid, but who do I, you know, who's a good player, basically? So 
Um, and you love that feeling when you sit down and, and you realize that the rest of the table is really respecting your game because then suddenly you know there's a lot you can get away with. You can start using that to your advantage and start accumulating even more chips. Um, you know, so I tread water for the first like two levels, which is kind of my mo, and then like level three, four, and five. I just like I was in the zone. I felt really, really good. It wasn't really even that tired. Um, I felt like if I had another five hours, I would have had three hundred thousand chips. Yeah, and especially being kind of poker adjacent all summer and not doing as much commentary as you normally would, not being able to play as much as you might have liked to because you were concerned about catching COVID and having to miss your family trip, you probably had like a hunger. You know, you're in this atmosphere and you didn't really get to dabble that much. I'll bet you were ready to play another five hours. Sure, why not? Oh, yeah. I was like, like, I was actually, that's the only thing I was kind of concerned about. You know, in November, you know, after not playing a lot of live poker, the thing that probably concerned me the most was just, okay, can I stay focused for 10, 12 hours straight, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, can can I do that? And I was worried about kind of just losing chips at the end. And uh, to my pleasant surprise, I was I felt like I was actually getting stronger as the day went on. And maybe that was because my opponents were actually losing their focus and getting tired. Yeah, and that does happen because many of the players in the main event – are not used to playing 10, 12 hours a day or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, they might they might have been you know, satellite winners or whatever. It's the only 10K that I know of that will have such a high percentage of non-professional players in it, um, to put it <laughs> politely. So, yeah, uh, do, you wanna, do you have any hands that you want to go over from day one? It sounds like that was the fun day. Yeah, I mean, day one, the funny thing was, day one actually started off pretty, like, it didn't start off great. Um, like, the first, like, two levels, they were just really obvious ones that I don't know if they were all that interesting for our, our folks. Like, um, you know, uh, there was a spot where I actually flopped top set, and I, I, I had to fold. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was another spot where, how's this one? Okay, I literally flopped top set of queens, right? And um, I actually decided not to. So it was a really a weird hand. So under the gun opens, right? Yeah. Uh, guy in cutoff, three bets. I've got queens in the small blind. Yeah, I mean, and, I think I think we're normally going to four bet here, right? I mean, you don't have to, but... I, I, I go back and forth. Well, I mean, I really felt like I was like... I. And maybe I overrate this, and maybe this is a problem in my own game. I felt like I was – I did not want to put that many chips at risk pre-flop. Right, because you feel like you are you're, you have a skill edge over your opponents and that you'll be able to play smaller pots and, and beat them that way without risking so much of your stack. Yeah, as crazy as it seems, I feel like I might only be four-betting there like – like ace five suited, you know, yeah. and like aces and kings. Right, and then like, you're just I, putting queens and jacks into your flatting range because yeah, you, you want to reduce. Yeah, be a lot stronger than most players' flatting range, but um, I felt like okay, I'll flat here. The big blind folded. The under the gun player just called. Now, if it wasn't under the gun open. If it were like a hijack open and a button three bet, I'm definitely four betting the queens. But because the open was from under the gun, I gave that player a little bit more respect. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, especially in the main event. I mean, we could we could be cautious in the main event. We're in no hurry. So, yeah, yeah I don't hate anyway, it. Anyway, the flop comes out like queen, you know, like 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 raggy of anything. It was like queen seven like three, you know. And we're gonna fold um, our queens at some point. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Right? That's just the crazy thing. Uh, I I uh, you know I I and it was like it was like a rainbow flop too. Right? Yeah, beautiful. So I I check. Uh, small the the under the gun player ch- uh, checks as well. The three better bets. Okay, I, I just call. At this point, because I'm, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I, I have this board crushed, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that either. Uh, and the end of the gun player calls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now this is where it gets tricky, and this is always, you know, you talk position and the power of position. The turn is like uh, not a like the turn is like the nine of spades, so it brings a backdoor spade draw and some backdoor, you know, backdoor straight equity. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hard to imagine somebody's in there with like Jack Ten, you know. So I'm not all that worried about it. Yeah. What was uh, the sizing like on the flop? Sizing was like a nor- like like bigger than like normal <laughs> normal main event sizing from a wreck. Right. So okay. Maybe... So it, he didn't size it down as you might expect. So right. he went like you know he went like half pot. Yeah. 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 You know, and I know a lot of obviously wizards and a lot of good players and experienced players on a queen seven three rainbow board, you know, are going to down bet that flop. Maybe even like twelve percent of the pot, like really, <laughs> yeah, really small. Yeah. They can just go really small there because you know. Um, but anyway, they uh, they actually went like half pot, which maybe even more. So I was like, okay, I can just call this. Sure. And the turn is a spade, and I actually considered. I said, you know, maybe I could do the check call lead play. I do like doing that sometimes. But I thought this was a weirder spot to do it. I would almost rather do that if, like, the seven paired or something like that, as strange as it might seem. Yeah. Where I actually can rep something. Like, I just don't know what I'm repping here. Yeah, what are you repping? Maybe that you picked up a, a spade draw? I mean, uh... Right. Yeah, what is your range for checking and calling and then leading the turn? Like, I'd have to have, like, I'd have to have, like, ace seven of spades or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you could play, like, a queen that way, like a queen jack kind of hand, yeah, like... And I've done that. I've done, I, I, I actually think the check call lead play is actually really a sexy play. And I, I, I've been doing it for years, and now I see the high rollers doing it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. they finally caught up to me. Um, <laughs> they used to call it the Johnny Chan, the check Did call they really? lead. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when I was first learning poker, somebody told me that this line is, is known as the Johnny Chan. Because apparently that's something that he uh, kind of started. It used to be people would always check again. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, let me, these, I, there's a couple of hands I'll have to go through that I, that were just kind of like, wow, okay, I guess I'm being tested. But um, anyway, the turns like the nine of spades, it checks through, and I'm like, okay. And, and the river is like the deuce of spades, okay? Okay. So it's like, okay. So I bet, and and uh, you know, I, I put a nice little bet out there, not huge, but decent sizing. Uh, you know, trying to get maybe looked up by like you know, tens, jacks, you know. Uh, who knows? You know, something along those lines, and uh, maybe somebody just wants to hear on me. And the guy next to me, like, he raises me like four x. Oh wow! Yeah. And the other guy folds. The other guy folds. The three better folds, and it didn't even. I was just like, wow, really? I was like, okay. And I took a moment or two, and I just was like, I, I just didn't think that this guy could be bluffing ever. Yeah, but is um, he ever value owning himself with like a set of nines? 
He could have been. He, the, in theory, he could have been. I just thought I, – I really thought that sizing was – because it was such a big sizing. Like, I mean, I think on the on – the, I want to say that on the river, maybe I bet 5,000, he went like 20K. <laughs> and you have, you have flushes in your range. I mean, we all check the turn. So, right, right, I mean, yeah. he has to fear the flush if he doesn't have one. But, yeah, I don't know. Talk, I don't know if I can fold that, but I guess it depends I on I at the end of the day. Showed, I folded and he showed me. Uh, he actually showed me. He had, he had, he had raised it like ace-nine of spades in a weird thing where like he didn't even flop a pair. He just had a backdoor spade draw, yeah. and he showed it to me. Yeah, I was like, okay. okay. So he got um, there. He got the nuts on the river. It wasn't ace-nine ace of spades, but we get we get the point. Um so yeah, right, okay. the, the weird thing was though he right it wasn't a, it was an ace nine but you know what I mean though maybe the nine wasn't a spade whatever it was right yeah he whatever. definitely got there he showed me the ace of spades like okay it did set up some plays though and I kind of like getting these situations I had when he raised the river I had pretty much made my decision to fold in like six seconds <laughs> okay but I took about thirty seconds I didn't yeah. I, I don't advocate taking very long yeah but I realized that I'm going to be playing the next five six hours with this gentleman. And I was like, I'm going to take a little bit of time here because I want to see if I can get anything out of him for later on. And I will tell you that I did because later on, very similar situation, the guy raises me like 4X and I asked him, I was like, you got it again? Yeah. And I saw his face and I was like, you don't have it. And I called and I was right. Wow. Yeah. And that's so live, I mean, the live poker, right? That's live 100%. poker. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's all live poker. But I do think there's something to it. I don't advocate people taking too long. But I do think that sometimes if you get yourself into a spot like that, I don't pay off for get information, but sometimes they'll just voluntarily give it to you. Yeah. You know? And I folded. I actually I was like, wow, man, I just folded a monster. And, and, and I showed him so he could show me. And, and then based on the way he was looking, I was like, okay, so that's what you look like when you have it. And then yeah. later on when he raised me, I was like, I don't know. You're acting different than you did last time. Yeah. And that, that confirmed your read. So, yeah, that's nice. That's the kind of stuff you can't learn by playing only online like this is kind of the edge and sometimes I talk about this here on the podcast like I don't have like the GTO completely memorized like I'm not a robot but I know there are certain things that go into my game because I have you know mostly a live background that I mean that's how I get deep in the main event is by you know what you're talking about really paying attention and yeah. studying human behavior it's more like you have to be like a mathematician, but also a psychologist to I, get I, good at this. I do think that's the, that's the case. I mean, I think people forget about that, and you know, I mean, listen, I, I folding a top set, <laughs> like I literally fold the second nuts. That yeah, can't be GTL. I mean, everybody sick. can be like, talk when that's exploitable, a hundred percent. Right, right. Go ahead no, and exploit me. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well. Um, so, anyway, so that was one situation. I got into a hand later on against a different player where uh, this was fun. Where uh, I three bet with queens uh, in position actually this time. Okay. So he opened um, like under the gun one. I three bet in the cutoff with queens. Uh, it comes back to him. He four bets me, oh. and he four bet me and big. And I was like, okay. I call. Flop comes out like <laughs> eight high. <laughs> he leads out like I'd say third pot. I call. Turn is like nothing. The turn is a nothing burger. Right. And he bets pot. And it was at this point in the tournament. 
pot was pretty big. I mean, because we had already four bet pre, and there was the third pot in there. So, I mean, you were talking about like, you know, we start with sixty thousand chips. I, I want to remember that. I I want to say that his turn bet was like twelve thousand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and we can't beat anything but a bluff. So it's really like, how often is this guy going to be bluffing? Like, if he's just going to keep continuing with ace king, really big on the turn. I don't think many players do that. Yeah, I, I, I folded, and, and, and again, I didn't really take that long, but it was just one of those things where I was like, man, I was like, at this point in the tournament, we're like two and a half levels in, and I'm like, how many times am I going to get queens and lose at them? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're listening to this and you play in like a $100 buy-in uh, regular daily tournament at your local card room, and you hear the great David Tuckman talking about folding these monsters, uh, please don't ex- try to extrapolate that into the turbos that you play uh, on a daily basis, like the reason no. he can afford that is because the whatever the opposite of a turbo is, that's the main event. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, and you got you got to be aware. I think this is really important for people. You mentioned the hey, you got to be careful that he's not overvaluing his pair. Um, I'm almost never folding queens in that spot in a in a smaller tournament simply because people are going to overplay jacks, they tens, do. and nines in that spot. I just didn't think that this gentleman was overplaying jacks, tens, and nines. Um, in in the main event, I didn't think he would have those kind of hands. Right. And because, frankly, if he doesn't have those hands, you know, then he's basically got ace king and he's got a big set of balls. Right. <laughs> or right. you know, or he's got he's got what he, what he's selling, and, and sure enough, he showed me the kings. That's amazing how often you get to see the hands. That's great. Yeah. I, like I said, I mean, it, it was starting to get to the point where I could see the players respecting me. And like I said, a healthy dose of respect and fear is never a bad thing at the poker table. And I think they were like, they wanted to show me that they weren't getting out of line. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there's an old expression in poker, it's easier to win when you're winning. And I I live by that. I feel like when I have a good table image, not meaning that I'm the best player in the world, but just that I'm winning, I feel like people are more afraid to get involved with me because like, oh man, this guy just, he, he does no wrong. You know, but when you're losing, it's quite the opposite. They start taking more shots at you, and they they think you're oh. having a bad day. And I saw you play on TV, but you're obviously not so great. I could beat you. You know, it just That's it changes everything. That's 100% true. Yeah. Mark Hansen talks about this. He talks about being in God mode. Yeah, God mode. Um, I love it. And and it's very true. I mean, he's talked about this, and the same thing. It is very much like like sharks to blood. Um, you know, I've got a funny story that when I I remember when I was playing Stud Eight many many years ago, uh, I was just having a terrible day, and I literally on Fourth Street I catch open aces. Nice. Okay, and for anybody who plays Stud Eight, like if it's a raised pot and the guy who catches an ace catches another ace on Fourth Street, the hand's over. It's over. Yeah. It's over. I mean, unless you literally have like three, four, five, six, all the same suit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just the hand's over. Like that's like oh okay. Thanks, that was fun. Um, and the guy looked at me and goes, "You're having a bad day. I think you're unlucky today. I'm gonna call." Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, he beat me in the hands. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and that, that's confirmation bias for him. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm sure he's done it for his whole life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when you are winning, it does breed. It's it's easier to make money when you're when you have money. It's the old, the old adage. Um, so I think that was part of it as well. Um, so those were a couple of the interesting spots. And then, like I said, I made a hero call. And then it really was just a series of, you know, me taking advantage of 
what I uh, the information that I was given to me throughout the day and just understanding people's tendencies and you know I, I, I had no problem going for thin value and pulling up a couple of little bluffs here and there um, it was just a, a, a short of the couple of queens that I had to fold it was a relatively easy day Great. Well, those are always nice because uh, honestly, <laughs> uh, you know the the summer I had it was pretty brutal. I played like thirty three tournaments and had two caches, uh, so easy days were few and far between <laughs> for Mister Fletcher. So it's nice so to hear that I, you had I assume, one. So you were like you were like you broke even on the summer. <laughs> yeah, I wish broke even would have <laughs> felt like winning the lottery with the cards I had, but uh, yeah, it was rough, man. It was rough. So, yeah, what it's, happened on day poker two? Can be, poker can be so humbling, I tell you, right? Oh, poker yeah. can be so, so humbling. Every time. So, you know, day two, I, I felt really good. Uh, we moved over. We were in uh, Paris the day one. Day two, we moved over to Bally's. And I was like, cool, I am never leaving Bally's again. This is where I'm going to live. Yes. You know, I was that was my attitude. I was like, they're going to be breaking down Paris, and I'm going to stay here for the next six days. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, day one, day two was just a, a series of hands that just did not go my way and and I can go through a bunch of them but uh, I'll tell you a couple that I, I thought were uh, uh, particularly interesting <laughs> there was one I got um, and I don't want this I don't want this to get into a bad beat thing so I'm actually wondering if there's some spots where I need to fold but a uh, very similar situation to the hand with the queens but um, I actually uh, I had just lost a pot and I pick up aces in the small blind. It folds to me in the small blind. And there were definitely better players at this table, by the way. So, you know, there was that I had to worry about. Anyway, I raise, play in the big blind calls. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, flop comes out like, uh, flop comes out two clubs and like nine high. Um, so nothing really all that interesting. Like a, like a nine five deuce. Nothing crazy. Uh, two clubs out there, though. Like, okay, cool. I had the ace of clubs, by the way, so I'm feeling really good. Okay. I put a bet out there. Big blind calls. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of getting too tricky in these spots. Yeah. Especially yeah, when you're yeah, deep. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, you're just going to bet your hands, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Especially players today. I mean, they're just going to call. He's going to call me with any pair. He might even call me with king high, like two overs, you know? Yeah, people have gotten a lot more stationy in the last five years as they play with solvers, and they realize they were all folding too much. A lot of people are going the other extreme, and like you say, call with any piece, especially in a blind versus blind setup. They're not going to fold a pair right. ever. Yeah. So one of my biggest adjustments to that, if people are going to become more stationy and stickier, obviously it's going to be tougher to win pots. I might win fewer pots, but as a result, hey, I'm going to get some more value. You know, yeah. if they're going to be calling you any pair and queen jack on that board, then great. I can I can actually bet I can bet ace five. Sure. For value. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the turn is uh the turn is the queen of clubs. Okay. So it's the third club now, queen high. Now I, I thought this was an interesting card because I was like, okay, I actually did think he might have some queen tens, queen jacks, where he's got some like running cards to make straights with the nine out there. Right. So I thought the queen actually might have hit his range. Obviously, I'm not overly concerned about the club because I've got the cl I've got a club in my hand, and it's just hard to make flushes. But I'm at least cognizant of the fact that okay, a third club came out there. At this point, because I have the ace of clubs in my hand, I don't want to bet and get raised. I don't think. So I decide to check it 
Um, I now think that my hand is borderline three streets, you know? Yeah, I want to check it too. I like checking this card. Okay, so I check it. I check it. He bets, and he bets large, by the way. He bets like 65% pot. Okay? Yeah, I mean, we obviously can't fold. No, right? I mean, yeah, I'm a million on. years. I'm not folding. Yeah. Um, anyway, the river comes off, and it's the ace. It's a red ace. And so now I've got a top set. Um, I check it to him once again. Because I'm like, I, I'm a big believer in, uh, it doesn't always hold true, but I, I'm a big believer in if I'm playing my hand as a bluff catcher and then my hand improves, I will often continue to play my hand as a bluff catcher and then possibly just check raise the rivers, you know? You can, for sure, yeah. Exactly. So I decide to check the river. Um, if it's a small sizing, I'm probably going to check raise and I'm probably calling any bet. And he bets like 1.2x pot. Yeah, I mean, we still have to call. I mean, look, it's... Uh He's either got a flush or we win, right? So right, but my my question is now he called the flop. So you know now I'm trying to think. I mean, listen, I, I called, okay? I called and I lost a big pot. Um, the question that I have is, and as I went back and thought about it, and I was talking to I talked to Matt Salzberg about this, and he's always been good at these tournament thingies. Yes, um, and we were he just, is. Yeah, and we were just talking about it, and he said. You know, listen, it's obviously a fold you're not going to make very often. He said in the main event, he thinks I probably could make an exploitable fold there. And he said, I think you just – he said his attitude was when it specifically comes to the main event, you've got to make, especially early on, you're going to have to make some really, really crazy exploitable folds um, because you're just going to run into hands. As you play that many hours of poker, you're just going to run into hands. Um, and players don't bluff as much as they should. And then I started thinking about this hand in particular. I'm going, okay, so the board, the flop's nine, five, deuce with two clubs. Okay, so he calls me. I'm trying to think of what hands he calls me with, right? Uh, maybe he's got seven, eight with like a backdoor, the backdoor heart draw. I'm not going to, I can't dismiss that from his range, you know? Yeah. But I'm just trying to think. Then he bets like, you know, 65% pot on the turn, and I call. And I want to also, something I was remiss and I did not mention was, him going 1.2x pot was a significant portion of his stack. I had more chips than him. Okay. At this point of the tournament, you know, I came into day two with 140. I want to say he probably, I probably had at this point 125. So still a very healthy stack. Yeah. And he probably had like 70. So it was a significant portion of his stack. Yeah. Um, but he's also <laughs> polarizing himself here, Tuck. I mean, he's either going to have the flush. Or he could have an, another value hand that he thinks is good, like a set, right? He could have pocket fives that he slow yeah. played. He bet yeah, big yeah. on the turn. Yeah. I mean, I could. Mean, I mean, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, is there ever a situation where, um, is there ever a situation where he he has two pair? And he, I just that's the question is, if he bets like seventy percent pot, it's not even a question, right? If he bets fifty percent pot, forty percent pot, I'm probably check raising. Yeah. Uh, when he goes 1.2x pot, I'm just wondering when the obvious front door flush draw gets there, does he even have a set, or does he just have flushes? Yeah, and of course that depends on who he is. And yeah, you know, we don't, we don't. Uh, you haven't given us too much information about your opponent here, but I and mean, purposely because I don't really know him that well. I mean, yeah. maybe it was 90 minutes into day two. Yeah, so let's not make too many assumptions about him. But you know, there are plenty of players in the main event who are able to put you to the test. Here. And if you're not going to call with your set of aces, 
you're only going to call when you have a flush? I mean, I, no. I, can, I can bet 1.2x all day and, and just print money against you. 100%. I mean, absolutely. And and I think that kind of speaks to the volume of like, hey, should we be balanced? Are we always calling here? Or are we selective? Can we find amazingly tight folds in certain spots and then call and then call certain times with just 10-9? You know what I mean? On the same run out. Yeah. Because, yeah we, right. because, we, because we know that our opponent's polarized. Yeah. I hear you. I mean – it seems exploitable, and we, we obviously we know it's exploitable. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with Salzburg that um, the main event is its own particular animal. Um, but yeah, what, what's getting ridiculous is like now we've already talked. We've been talking half an hour. We have two Sorry. hands. No, we have two hands where you've you've lose with a set again. Like no right, wonder right. you didn't make day three this time. <laughs> well, like, yeah, but I mean day on? one. But like I said, day one was like okay, I got away from it, no big deal. This one I called. Yeah. It's like okay, this guy's a little bit better. I, I can't. I have to give him some bluffs. I'll give him some respect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, folding top set on the river is actually really disrespectful to your opponent. <laughs> it's really disrespectful. It is. I know, you know what, what you mean? mean, but why don't you explain what you mean by that, just in case? I, I, just mean, I mean, you're 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 basically saying, I don't think that you can bluff. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think you're a good enough player to actually have enough bluffs in your range here that I need to call with the second best hand possible. <laughs> That's very disrespectful. Yeah. Um, you know, I, essentially. I mean, I know there's a lot of flushes in there, but I'm saying the second best hand that's not a flush, basically. No, it's uh, even more disrespectful than that, Tuck, because you have that club. Right. I even Actually, I made the argument. I was actually thinking. I go, wow, imagine this was day five or day six and we were deeper. Imagine turning my top set of aces into a bluff on the river by check raising all in. <laughs> How fucking sick would that be? Can I curse on this? Sorry. I yeah, can't. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> How sick? But no, seriously. Imagine we're like 150 big blinds deep at this point. Now that he was not deep enough for me to make that play right, at this right, point. Right. But imagine, you know, it's a little bit later on. We have both have chips, and I now think, wait a second, maybe he's overvaluing his hands. There's certainly a chance this is happening. Maybe he's bluffing, but maybe he has a bluff here. Maybe he has clubs 30% of the time. Can I get him to fold his flush by check raising all in? Because how strong a line does that look? Raise pre, bet flop, check call turn, check raise river. How do I not have the nuts there? Yeah, and knowing that he doesn't have the nuts. Right. Because you have that blocker. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the kind of stuff that you will see the very best players in the world like the Elio Foxes, the David Peters, like this is the stuff I, that they actually have in their repertoire. I, by the way, I I I I am certainly not in that category, but I thought about it for a second because I didn't snap call. I was like, I, I I I he raised he bet that big, and I was like, man, that's a big bet, okay. And I thought about it for a second, and I just I did look at my ace of clubs, and I was like, hmm. And I you just didn't have enough chips, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, he's not gonna. I was like, he's not going to fold on day two. This is just a punt. Yeah, um, but you'd just, be surprised. People make, sh- people do make ridiculous folds, Tuck, on the in the main no, event oh in my particular. God, absolutely. Yeah, he'd be absolutely. like, well, I don't have the nuts, so I can't call all my chips because I don't have the nuts. Yeah, I mean, listen, right. what does the guy do if he has eight, seven of clubs there and I check raise all in? I mean, eight, seven of clubs is literally just a bluff catcher at that point. Yeah, but so is your set of aces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're folding yours right. too. <laughs> Well, I didn't fold. I called. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, unfortunately, I called. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was that hand. Uh, you know, that didn't work out. Um, yeah, let's I got to do another situation. Let's do one more. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I want to okay, get one, one more, more hand. Yeah. I'll, 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 I will, uh, I'll go through one more hand. Um, 
I raise in at this point I am now somewhat short like I said a lot of things have kind of been going against me like uh, I picked up ace queen of spades versus uh, like nines I flop a flush draw against a short stack and we get it in and I don't hit Um, I had nines versus ace king and the flop comes out king king four so it's one of those where you know maybe I can get away from it if there's not a pair of kings but it's really hard to fold so you know I lost a couple of streets of value with nines on a king king four board and then eventually found the fold on the river Um, he did have ace king Um, but there were some situations like that that did not make my day easy and I just it just kept happening you know I just kept having situations like that you know um, I, I think I got all in one side ace king versus uh, some guys like sevens a short stack and I lost that and it wasn't a lot but it was like you know a 26 big blind pot here you know uh, a 28 big blind pot there so I just kept getting whittled down and just not winning much um, and then uh, right around you know dinner breakish. I've got at this point, um, I've got about 28 bigs or so, and I raise in the hijack with ace five of spades, um, and I was actually prepared, depending on the sizing of a three bet and who it came from, because the, the table was much more aggressive than day one. I was actually prepared to four bet all in with this hand. We love this hand. We love right. Yeah, ace five. I thought I had a nice stack where it's like, okay, I'm going two x here. If somebody goes like six x, I was like, I can shove all in. How many How many big blinds do you have there? I got about twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, I like that. I like that that idea. Yeah, that was my thought process. You know, if somebody doesn't respect the late position, I can do this. Yeah, sure. Anyway, I open. uh, Button calls, small blind calls, big blind calls. So we see it four ways. Okay. Yep. Flop comes out five five six. Wow. I'm like, woo, yay! Yippee! Yeah. <laughs> right? This is awesome. Yeah. Okay. I, this is the hand I've been waiting for, baby. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, uh, they check the blind check to me. I bet uh, the button gets out of the way, and the small blind gets out of the way. The big blind calls. Okay. Okay. Uh, turn comes off. The turn comes off. It is a jack, kind of a nondescript card. Yeah, we're and thrilled. Now, yeah. now the small blind leads into me. I'm sorry, the big blind leads into me. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, obviously we're not ever going to get away from this with this stack size. Okay, we're just not. You start no, with 29 blinds. No, 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 blind. no, 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 yeah. definitely not. But there's, I, I'm going to throw, I'm just going to give, throw a little wrinkle at it. Okay. Yeah. So. I I decide at this point that with my SPR there's not a I, I really shouldn't be raising this very often because if I raise I was a preflop raiser he's got more fives than I have in his range um, like I'm only raising like jacks right yeah you know? I like calling I like calling here so I just call yeah anyway, good play uh, the rivers uh, uh, the rivers kind of the rivers are nothing again it's a it's a blank for the, the board it doesn't really change the board at all. Yeah. Um, and he now checks. Okay. Well, I mean, we have to put our money in. Obviously, we we're putting. Well, it's yeah. not. But I'm, I'm still. I mean, I still have probably uh, 1.8x pot. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but, and at this point, like, he calls, then he leads out, now he checks. I just don't think he's that strong. Yeah. You know? It's a, it's a terrible read by me, by the way. Um, I don't think he's that strong, so I'm like, okay. So I actually bet, um, you know, I only bet, like, maybe 35, 40% pot. Okay. He now check raises all in. <laughs> I mean, you, you, we're now, not again, folding. Again, I, again, we have an enormous hand. Yeah, we're I not folding. I understand that. But is his check... Well, I, okay, you say that, and this is, again, I was talking to Matt Salzberg about it, and I really didn't want to use your, your podcast as a forum just to show my bad beats. That was not the point of this. That's I'm okay. Sure are, I'm sure some of your listeners are like, fucking talking with his bad beats, we don't care. <laughs> it's not bad beats. The question I have is very simply, because I, I was talking to Salzberg about this, and he actually thinks... Um, if I fold, I would have had about 14 big blinds left. 13 big blinds left, okay? Somewhere in that range. He actually was saying that it's a fold. Nobody takes that line as a bluff. No, he's I don't like, think he's guys, bluffing. He's like, if he's bluffing you, he's going to bomb river and hope you fold. And then obviously you pay off. But he's like, nobody is like calling your turn bet, your, your flop bet, leading out and then check raising river with a bluff. He just didn't think, first of all, he didn't even think the guy was polarized. He just thought he doesn't have it. He has it all the time. Yeah, so uh, he does, Tuck. I agree with that. Uh, the problem for you is he's in the big blind, and you already said he's got a lot of fives in his range. So he should be playing this way when he has king five, queen five, seven five. There are so many fives that you can beat with your ace kicker that I just don't think we can fold, especially when we already put in half our stack. Like, I don't think he's bluffing very often, although if he's any good, he's got to have some bluffs in his hand, you know, I mean, his range. But, yeah, I'm not trying to call I mean, to catch yeah, I mean, a bluff. Listen, I mean, bluffing 7-8 there would be really awesome. Would be awesome, yeah. unless I have pocket jacks, you know, I shouldn't have that. I mean, I'm going to have, like, maybe I'll have ace jacks some of the times, maybe I'll have aces some of the time, you know. He's, he should get that through a lot if he check raises 7-8. I actually kind of like it. But... I, I'm just. I guess my question is, if I don't think he's bluffing, if I don't think he's balanced, and I don't think he's bluffing very often at all, then the question becomes to me, does he actually over? Does he actually check raise? Because I feel like I feel like a five is probably betting, and I feel like when he check raises, it really screams like, oh, I got a full house. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, with all due respect to my good friend Matt Salzberg, I, I don't really agree with this logic here uh, in, in my opinion uh, yeah he's he's not going to show up with uh, a bluff very often but it's got to be some percentage of the time that isn't zero right a non-zero chance he's bluffing combined with the fact that he has value hands you can beat like he should love to check raise with any five on the river because he's just going to have you beat with his five a lot and you should not be folding when you have an overpair, because you already well, okay, put in that, half that, your stack. That's the question I have. Okay, yeah, I put in like sixty percent of my stack, probably. I like, but I guess that's the question I have: is, um, are you in the habit of making enormous laydowns at the World Series of Poker main event? Number one, um, and I assume you would be since you've had two amazing runs. You've probably yeah. had situations where you had to make just ridiculous, like, like just like these, like kind of like just check like wait am i actually thinking about folding this right now what am i doing yeah i've um, had some some crazy folds but not in situations right. like this so i mean i guess the question is how 
how big a fold can you make and and how light should I have been calling him in that spot? I mean, do I have to have a five to make that call? I um, think so. So, you know, and the only five I'm going to have there is probably ace five. Right. I mean, Did I guess I could, I could actually have six five suited. Um, I'm in the yeah. hijack, so I could have six five suited. I could even have five four suited theoretically. But um, am I calling with all my fives? Do I fold five four then? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it, you might want to fold five four actually. If if we really think about it, maybe you shouldn't even bet five four. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, what, what can I get value from even? Yeah, and that, and that, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's just like I don't know. I mean, um, uh, in your shoes and holding five four, I doubt I can find the check on the river. That's what I mean, right? They got checks to you. You're like, I've got trips. I'm not folding. Yeah, I'm not I'm checking this. Yeah, I'm sit here and check back uh, with trips. Yeah, that's weird. But he does – his donk lead on the turn is kind of um, – I don't know. I, yeah, it's uh, – The donk lead paired with the check raise. Yeah, it, it tells is, a story, is, but you're you're too close to the top of your range, Tuck. You have to call. I'm sorry. You just have to call. You just have to – by the way, because it was my tournament life, I did – I tanked. This was a, the one time I really tanked for a while. Um, and I went back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> I kind of showed in my hand, fully knowing that I'll probably get a penalty, but I was like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm probably leaving I try- anyway. <laughs> I was trying to get a reaction. Right, exactly. I was trying to get a reaction. Yeah. You know, figuring, okay, it'll be worth the one-round penalty if I actually stay in the tournament and make the right play here. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, I eventually did make the call, and it turns out he flopped it. He had 6-5. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the end of my my end of my uh, uh, my tournament. Um, obviously, very disappointed in that. Yeah. But I, I, I guess that was the theme for me at the World Series of Poker main event was, and in some ways it was the same as, and I know you and I talked about my 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 run last November. Similar thing in the sense of how big a laydown can you make in certain spots, because that was a situation where. I remember I the two hands that it did me in were where I flopped top two. I had ace seven on an ace seven deuce board, and I turned a straight, not the nut straight, the second nut straight with jack nine on a king queen ten ten board, um, and I was no good on both those spots. And I'm just wondering, to win this event, do you just have to avoid those situations, or do you have to find folds in those spots? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a a very big question. And obviously, like most poker questions, the answer is it depends, right? I mean, sometimes you've got an opponent that is absolutely, positively incapable of check-raise bluffing on the river with worse than ace-five. And in that case, you do have to fold, even though you've already put in half your chips. You're going to leave – you start with 29 big blinds, you said. You're ending up with 14 but it's like it, I'm not calling the rest if I'm sure. Like, but how sure can you be, right? The bigger stack you have, the bigger the stack you have, the bigger the laydowns you can make. So there's kind of a you could almost make it like a formula. Like, how many big blinds do I have, or what's my M? However you like to look at that. Also consider how long are the levels, and this is the main event, so it's two hour levels. And yeah, I've made some ridiculous. Laydowns in the main event. I've folded a full house in the main event before. Um, you know, it, it's a thing that you will do in that tournament that you would never do in another tournament because you don't usually not so deep, first of all, and you're never going to be playing two-hour levels like we do in this one. So it is a different animal. But still, with these hands you're describing, 
Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not folding ace five. Sorry. If he's got it, he's got it. So, okay. Yeah, six five. Yeah, it's just it does turn out to be a bad B story. But I agree with you that this isn't just oh, let me come on Clayton's podcast and just cry about my bad beats. I mean, these are spots that we have to consider. In another tournament, yeah. like I say, in the hundred dollar daily at your local card room, please don't ever consider. <laughs> you know, these are not even your yeah. Chips. Yeah. These are not even decisions. Yeah. These are zero, these are literally not decisions. Um, and yeah, I, I just want to make sure. I, I, like, I'm not honestly. I wasn't even. It's not like I came home and be like, oh, woe was me. How woe unlucky me. I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's, it's fucking poker. I was like, you know what? The next time I play, I'll be on the right side of it. And let's yeah. be honest. My last run in the main event, I got a new situation where I flopped top set against somebody else's top two. Like the case saving came out, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Some as much as you're on the wrong side of the bad beach or the coolers, you're gonna be on the right side of them. And as a poker player, you need to just come in the grips with that and try to make the best decisions you can. The reason I brought these hands up, and I had some other spots that were probably interesting as well. You know, obviously you're playing a lot of poker over two days, but I brought those up just to kind of get your input on, you know, how valuable your World Series of Poker tournament life is. You know, I remember talking to Brian Rast about tournament life, and he always said, don't hold on to the baby too tight. He used that analogy. He said, don't hold the baby too tight. You'll kill it. And, you know, the meaning behind that is that, you know, you can't you can't cherish your tournament life so much that you're not willing to actually risk it. Amir Vahidi, in yeah. order to live, you must be willing to die. And it's very true. It's very true. But I, I guess, you know, the main event and, you know, because I don't play that many tournaments, the main event's such a unique animal that, you know, I wonder if you could even make some crazy, insane folds that you norm- normally would not make. And, and I guess the answer is you probably can, but maybe not these. <laughs> yeah, not these. But, yeah, I, I agree that because of the nature of that tournament, we don't have to put ourselves into marginal spots. But, you know, the way that a lot of our opponents are playing nowadays if you get into the uh, habit of folding, you know, trip fives with an ace kicker and top set just because the flush came in and the guy over bet the pot, like if you get into the habit of playing that way, you will become the most bluffable player, uh, and you know, 100%. You, they'll they'll destroy you. So we. But they you know, don't. But the, the, my old my old adage of that is like. That balance that I tend to think balance is somewhat overrated, and I know some of your some of your audience members are probably be like, "Doc, you're an idiot. What do you know?" And, I, <laughs> I, and my attitude is this: is I I feel like you can give off the air of balance to 90% of your opponents or even more because you will play differently against different players. Right. I wouldn't even think about like you know if I'm in a hand with Sam Sovereil, I'm never even thinking about folding any of these hands. Yeah, because I know how good a player he is. Yeah, I know how creative he is, and I know he could be bluffing. And I know he's probably bluffing at the right frequency. So I just can't bluff a hand that's that high in my range. Right. So yeah, you can't lay you down know, in that spot. Right. right. So the players at the table will see that against him, and they don't know that. Yeah, against eighty-one-year-old Uncle Joe. Yeah, I'm gonna make some exploitable folds, sure, but I'm not making those same folds against him against Sam Savrell. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's player dependent. So I mean, does, listen, if, if, yeah. if Uncle Joe. And Grandma Ethel, if they start check raise bluffing me, I'm in trouble. Yeah, Grandma Ethel, her bluff success rate is way higher than mine. I wish I could coach Grandma Ethel. I'm just be like, <laughs> listen, you don't do it very often. Just find somebody who you think's a really, really good poker player. 
and check raise them on the river when you've got a scare card in your hand. Like anytime you have like the nut flush card in your hand and there's a flush out there, just check raise them on the river. I promise you they'll fold. Yeah, well, my mother, you know, my mother was a professional poker player and she's retired now. But yeah, that was her methodology. She she made a, a point of looking like a sweet little librarian she wore her glasses on a chain around her neck like the whole thing <laughs> you know and the players that didn't know her just would you know be fooled like oh there's no way this this older woman is bluffing me but she had a few tricks up her sleeve so hey, and, listen, and she made it work playing against type is one of the best things i mean dan harrington you know won a championship that way made two final tables so uh you know if you can if you if you know how they perceive you and you can play against that it's uh, very valuable so Action Dan, they used to call him Action Dan because, and they were being sarcastic because his reputation was he was extremely tight. And then anybody who watches the 2003 or 2004 World Series of Poker uh, archived, you know, footage from the old days of ESPN, uh, you'll see that he wasn't always tight. He definitely pulled a few tricks out of his uh, out of his bag. So yeah, yeah well, I think TV poker actually was terrible for him. Yeah, yeah, it kind of revealed his secrets, right? Or maybe he did it because he was on TV and he just no wanted way. to show off a little bit. No <laughs> way. Well, we went a little long, Tuck, and I apologize for taking up so much of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on. As I mentioned, I didn't give my listeners an episode last week, so I wanted to make it up to them with a, a special gift. And, uh, you know, just having you, you here again on the podcast is a gift unto itself, my friend. I love it. Blow that smoke right up my ass. I love it, buddy. <laughs> and if you are interested in hearing more of David Tuckman's beautiful speaking voice, I recommend you go on Twitch during the World Series of Poker Online. It's already begun for the next month, any Thursday or Sunday. Uh, you know, these things start, the final tables start. If you want to watch it live, it comes on like what? Like one or two in the morning, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes as early as 12. I mean, the turbo events might even be a little earlier than that. But, yeah, every Thursday, every Sunday through October 16th, we will be on Twitch, on WSOP's Twitch site. So it's just twitch.tv slash WSOP. We will be there. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Tuck on Sports, and, and I'll give you updates about that. Yeah. So what else do you want people to know before we say goodbye, my friend? Nothing, nothing. I mean, I, I still weigh the same that I weighed in college. I'm just not as muscular as I used to be. <laughs> Got a little bit more fat on me. Uh, I like asparagus and broccoli. Raw. <laughs> I, I mean, we have to leave it there. Where can you go from raw broccoli and asparagus? David Tuckman, uh, thank you for being on the podcast again. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and I can't wait to do commentary with you in the middle of the night on October 2nd and October 9th on twitch.tv slash WSOP. So for David Tuckman and for our wonderful sponsor, sitesoptimize.com, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart